in Galatians. The book of Galatians. Look here in chapter 4. Before Ephesians and Philippians. It's after first and second opinions. You guys are too funny. Galatians 4. Very well-known passage, but I want to read it for context. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But when the fullness, verse 4 says, of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Dear Lord, bless this reading, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to tune in, Lord, to your time with us. I ask it in your name. Amen. Be seated. <coughs> when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. I love that. I love that word, fullness. We're going to be talking tonight about the importance of the fullness of God's timing. I, I, I love that song that uh, here comes Jesus right on time. You know, they say, oh, he's four days late. No, he's, he's right on time. Talking about the story of, of Lazarus, how Mary and Martha thought that Christ should have been there before he died so he could save him from death. But... Christ arriving four days. Lord, he stinketh by now, they say. But Christ was right on time. It wasn't our timing. wasn't Mary and Martha's timing. No, it was God's timing. And although it did not make sense, and oftentimes doesn't make sense, it is perfect in his fullness of time. You know, I love this time of the year. But at the same time, I really don't like it. I enjoy the holiday seasons, but I'm not a holiday spirit person. Everyone's getting happy, wearing red and, and green, and I've seen people wearing, uh, they call them, I call them ugly sweaters, but the new term is seasonal sweaters, or whatever they call it. They're like sweaters that shouldn't be made, but people like them, and they wear them, and they got bells and tinsel and and everything imaginable. It, it's almost like, remember those those old shotgun shacks? It was just whatever was left, compiled together, put a tin roof on top of it, kind of that kind. Of, it's kind of how it looks. They're they're shotgun sweaters. There's just all kinds of colors, and nothing makes sense. And it's supposed to be beautiful, but you paid twenty seven dollars for a a, a a patchwork piece of clothing. But we're not here about sweaters tonight. 
But it's the holiday season. Everyone's getting out and about and they're enjoying the shopping. They're enjoying the, the, the visiting friends and family. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what I've heard a whole lot more being around people with kids? Is I've heard, you better behave because who's coming to town? Santa. Now, now St. Nicholas was a real person, but he, he's no longer alive. Sorry. Okay, so you didn't teach your kids that. There you go. So, <laughs> but we, we see that everyone's excited about Santa Claus coming to town. And they're, they're starting to do what? Behave a little better. I saw a kid today throwing a fit that didn't get his, his he, he wanted sweet, uh, sweet tea. Mom gave him water. And he was upset, and she said, you better behave. Santa's watching. <sighs> he got real upright, like, oh, Santa's watching. And he took his water and was happy about it. <laughs> I, I, I get it. But you know, that's what the holidays bring, is they bring somewhat of a reason to behave. Apparently, you only have this around the holiday season because it is it, not as if they say it in January. You better be careful. Santa's watching. He just came, Mom. He's not, he's not watching me. I got, I got time still. But we, we, we treat this holiday season as, a, oh, it's time to be nicer, time to be jollier, time to be happier. If you're a kid, it's because Santa's watching. If you're an adult, it's because it's the holiday spirit. You can't be a Scrooge. We treat seasons and times and we tailor our attitude around it i think that's the reason why we see in god's will and in god's word he doesn't mention a day or a time when he returns because we would begin to mark it on our calendar do any of y'all remember 2012 the world was ending i remember 2000 Going over to grandparents and unplugging Ethernet cables and turning off lights when, when the Y2K would hit and everything would just explode. <laughs> I remember that. I remember stocking up with food at grandparents' house. Grandparents took us, and it was, it was our weekend with grandparents the, the week before New Year's, and we went shopping, and it was a madhouse out there. And he filled up both of his fridges in case of Y2K. It came, it went, it was gone. I remember 2012. Doomsday preppers, doomsday stocking, people were buying ammunition in cases. They kind of still are. <laughs> they kind of still are. They were buying MREs. Why anyone would want to live years and years and years on MREs is beyond me. Just let me die. Stuff will just, it'll, it'll, it'll kill you first. But we treat special times with special behavior. That's why I believe that when Christ talks about his returning, he says, no man knows a day or the hour. Because as humans, we would be like, all right, we got 17 years till Christ gets here. We got to behave sometime soon. But when we see God and his will, we see and we know that he is completely on a different set of time than we are. The context of this story goes back and forth between uh, Genesis, I believe it's 14, talking about, or no, it's 18, talking about uh, uh, the promise of Isaac to Abraham and the promise of the, the child that would continue the lineage that God has given Abraham. So go ahead and turn to your Bibles real quick just to get some context down. Turn to uh, Genesis chapter 18. 
Genesis 18, we're going to start reading here inside of uh, verse number 1. This is right before uh, Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed. This is right when, when God has come down and he's going to be visiting Abraham in a very personal way. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mira. And he sat on the tent door in the heat of the day and lift up his eyes and looked. And lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from my servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for there are ye come to your servant. And he said, So do as thou hast said. And then verse 6 is Abraham hastened to the, the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes upon the earth. And Abraham ran into the herd and he fetched a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to a young man and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and led it and fed it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which behind him. Now, we know how the story goes. She laughs. Christ asks, Why do you laugh? Christ confronts them. And the whole reason it was funny to Sarah was they were, as I said here, well stricken in age. They were past the time of being parents. It was no longer a thing. But this is where Christ made, made a reality of the promise that he will fulfill his promise to Abraham saying, I will give you an heir. We know the story that in God's time, even though man's time was totally gone at this time, in God's time he brought forth Isaac and he brought him unto Abraham as the promised child. And that is the, that, that, that's the context and the story that Galatians uses back and forth when talking about free and bond uh, a woman. How the old nature is the picture of Ishmael and how the new nature is the promise of Isaac. But we, we see that when God's talking about the heir and the child and the son and the adoption, he's talking about, about, about salvation, how when God's time was right, he sent forth Jesus to die for our sins and to be made that sin for us and, and to, to pay the price that we couldn't pay. But it didn't happen when Abraham was alive. It didn't happen when David was alive. It didn't happen when we see Israel go into captivity and bondage. It didn't happen when the minor prophets were there. It didn't happen when the major prophets were there. It didn't happen in many, many, many years. But when the fullness of the time was come. I believe the reason they use the word fullness here is because it, it, it depicts that it is being, it is the fullness of someone's time it is not our time. We're going to be short and sweet here. That, that was the introduction. Just short, short and sweet tonight. I want to talk about God's fullness in our lives. The word fullness that we use here has many synonyms. Absoluteness, completeness, entirety, wholeness, perfection. But the, the actual meaning of the word fullness 
according to Webster's, can be used in, 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 in a context of time. You know what fullness means when it comes to time? It means eventually. <laughs> eventually. When I was 18 years old, I was given a token. It was a little wooden token. And you probably think they say around to it. You ever seen those little around to it? Someone said, oh, I'll get around to it. I'll do this when I get around to it. And the joke was, you got around to it. Whatever you're holding back on, get it done. And I had that for a couple of years, and I think I lost it. Or I gave it away, one or two. But people will do things when they get around to it. I'm, I, I'm guilty of it as well, but no, no pointing fingers or jabbing elbows. But I'm sure there's someone in this room that maybe needs to get around to doing something. Whether it's a project, whether it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's spring cleaning in, in, in December, in November. Whether it's, whether it's time to fix your car, whether it's time to change your tires, change your oil. You'll get around to it. You'll get to it eventually. When God here is talking about the salvation that he had already pre-planned, he already decided on it, on, on it's, it's going to happen, it's going to take place. And they would say, when Lord, when Lord, when will you come, when will you, eventually. People stressed about when God's coming back, he'll, he'll, he'll come back, eventually. But in the child of God's life, his fullness is a continual Thing in our lives, a continual promise that his fullness of time can be found in our lives. Think about your life as you walk and serve God. How many times does he promise things? Every day. How many times does he come through and promises? Every day. Lo, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He hasn't forsaken me yet. He hasn't forsaken us yet. Every day he promises that it will be a a a new morning, that his, his grace and his mercy is new every morning, and every day he fulfills that promise. The fullness of God is a continual repeating of his promise and his fulfillments in our life. This gives perspective as we look at our, our future, of both as individuals and as a church. What does God promise the church? He'll, he'll build it upon his life, his rock, his foundation. And if the church continues to follow him, he will do what? He will grow it. He says if, he, if we lift up Christ, he will draw all men to him. He's made promises that, that we can depend upon and that we can know that if we do and if we follow and if we obey, God will bless. And he has fulfilled that promise in our lives. What's even more important that he will fulfill that promise in our life. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. You know, the fullness of time in our lives can be a stressful thing. I don't know about you, but I have prayers that I've been praying for years that haven't been answered. Doesn't mean God doesn't hear me. Just his time hasn't come yet. I have things that, that I have on my heart I would love to see happen, but it can't. And it, it hasn't yet. It doesn't mean God won't bless. This church isn't packed out. It doesn't mean it won't. 
We're not on our time. We're on God's time. We've never been on, on, on our time. You look at the history of this church. This is 17 years in the making. You know what we have here? A sweet spirit. If we were to do this our time, our way, we could easily pack this place out. But why don't we? We're not on our time. Man's time is, is impatient. Man's time is, is rushed. Man's time has deadlines. God has no deadlines. <laughs> God has no deadlines. Because he always is. He never was. He always is. And he will be. Because he always is. The fullness of time in our lives is God's promise that in his perfect time, in his perfect will, he will fulfill those promises that he has given us, that he will answer our prayers, he will heal our hurts, he will, he will comfort those who are weary, he will save those who are lost, he will soothe those who are in pain, and he will take care of those who are his. It's a promise that we can depend upon. But we get so frustrated and we get so upset with it's not happening yet. Lord, Lord we're, we're waiting. We're here. Why, why isn't it happening yet? I don't know about you, but I, I, I have to give myself realistic expectations. Because if I'm not careful, I'll go off in a wild tangent, a fantasy. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to make a New Year's resolution, and I'm going to get it every day at 5 a.m. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the gym. I'm going to shower at the gym, change at the gym, be at work by 6. You know how unrealistic that is in my life currently? No. I have to give myself realistic expectations. I was having this, this you know, how you get lost in a daydream. You ever done that before? You get lost in a daydream and you realize you're at work and got to return back to work mentally. I had this idea. I was praying about, Lord, when will you bless? When will the church grow? When will we see visitors? And I had this idea. The 6th of January, the Himes are officially here. We have a packed service. 200 people. Choir is going to be singing. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is like, David. God's a worker of miracles, but things take time. And I, 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 personally, I have to fight that. Because I, I get excited. Like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Woo! going to have to get here, you know, an hour and a half before services to claim my spot. It'll be great. It's not a problem we have yet. <laughs> no one's carving their name in their pew, right? Okay, no one's carving their name in their pew to make sure that no one takes their spot. We don't, we don't have that issue yet. But, Lord, when will it be? In the fullness of time. I don't know about you, but I have prayers that aren't answered. I have pains that aren't gone yet. I think about, about uh, Paul praying to God, saying, well, take away this, this infirmity, this thorn in my side. And God says, not yet. That's a hard answer to prayer sometimes, is not yet. It's a hard pill to swallow when God says, for my good and for my glory, you are how you are. That's a hard thing to do. I think about what this church has gone through. It's a lot. I've been here since 2000, 
three with this church. I'm a product of Southwest Baptist Church, and this church has been through a lot. And it's going to go through some more. But you know, God's fullness is continually in the lives of his children that follow him. His fullness of time is a continual work in our lives. To me, that takes the pressure off me. I don't have to worry about when to act right because Jesus is coming back. I don't know. I don't have to be reminded that Santa's watching. I just got to understand I got to behave the entire time. That's a lot of pressure. But at the same time, I understand that I don't have to do certain things at certain points of time to be right with God. Take away that pressure. I just have to, every day, walk with him and be honest with him. I just want to draw your attention to the, the, the reason this context was chosen is because you see the relationship as it starts out that even though the child, as, 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 as a young child, even though he is an heir of the entire household as a baby, you think about, about people who uh, the, 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 the parents or, the, or think about not America for a second, like kings and queens. At some point in a, 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 a uh, what is that even called? A patriarchy, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. At some point, instead of like a royal lineage, a baby will be born. Everybody's like, that's King so-and-so. Well, King so-and-so just threw up. So that's, that's weird. Well, that's going to be our, our next king. Nope, I'm good. You, you can have that. But they, they put all this pressure on this is the next king. He is, he's brand new, born into the lineage, and he is ruler of all. But they don't give it to him day one, right? Take a little bit of time. And it says here that although we were, we were children of God and heirs to his entire kingdom, we had to go through tutors and governors and had to go through the law, had to go through a, the, 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 the picture of Christ with the sacrifice of the lamb, had to go through the repentance of sin via sacrifice. But then it says in the fullness of God, his time was come, he sent forth his son to pay for all of it, that we may be redeemed, that we're under the law, that we may receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. A more personal relationship with God. It's not this... this this dignified walk with him. We don't, we don't have to become this thing we're not. <clears throat> you know, people talk about that. People, people talk about how they need to just get better so they can be closer to God. That's not how that works. We can't do anything that draws us closer to God. All of our works are as filthy rags. It's not about what we can or will do. It's about what he has done. And so when we look at God's fullness in our lives, it is a day-to-day walk with Him, of Him continuously fulfilling His promises, fulfilling His love, fulfilling His walk with us, and giving us that relationship of father and child. We're no more servants but sons, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The fullness of God The fullness of God's time is the perfection of his will in the lives of his children. In God's fullness of time, 
prayers will be answered. Problems will be solved. Weariness will be comforted. Pain will be soothed. And troubles will be no more. It doesn't happen tomorrow. It happens in his fullness of time. Therefore I say, be patient and wait upon the Lord. Bethany was playing a song. Was it confidently abiding? Jesus is mine. Rapture divine. Hail, never leave me lonely. Whispers oh so fine. I will never leave you. Jesus is mine. There's a peace in our hearts knowing that God is every day loving on us, walking with us. And in, 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 in a season of life, and in the season of this church's growth, that everything may seem frustrating, everything may seem slow, everything may seem like it just needs to get better yesterday, God's fullness of time is still happening. When I look at what God would have us to do as Southwest Baptist Church, I can say patience is one of the biggest parts of it. I can say that faithfulness is another big part of it. And you know what? God has a really good group of people here. We're looking around Sunday afternoon. We have some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. We have some of the greatest Christians in Midland. And it's not because of how great the carpet is. It's not because of how wonderful the, 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 the wood paneling makes this, this auditorium sound. It's not how great the lights are. It's not how wonderful the property is. It's not about the building. We have a great church because the church is built upon God. And he has brought folks into this church. And he's removed folks out of this church. And I can confidently say that the fullness of time for a new pastor is now. We'd never had this season of life before. And God's perfect will is happening right as we watch. You know, the God who brings all things to perfection doesn't require anything besides our involvement. It's going to happen. This church will grow. Let's get involved. We're going to have Brother Himes and Mrs. Himes come down. They're going to be full of excitement and it's going to be a culture shock for everyone. And that's awesome. And in the fullness of God's time, Southwest Baptist Church will be a beacon of hope in a dark corner of the world. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's happening today, and it's happening tomorrow, and it's happening next week. Because God's fullness of time is the perpetuation of his perfect will in the lives of his children. Forget you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, and someone's telling you why. Forget that. The reason for this season is that Christ is coming back. When? 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 Eventually. 
in the fullness of his time, he'll come back. Eventually. Don't stress about it. Don't change your behavior. Grow. Grow. Heavenly Father blesses the day.